Hi guys, welcome back to My Steps to Sobriety, my show on YouTube and as a podcast with me, your host, Stefan Neff. Today is another fantastic day for an interview and it's going to be an amazing interview because I've got a fellow, um, a fellow addict uh, here. She is an, <laughs> she's addicted to psychology and that is cool. I mean, that is an addiction I can go behind. So I've got Kirsten Hunter, who is not just an addict to psychology, but also she is a fellow author and she's one of these bloody overachievers. You know, <laughs> you don't just publish one book. Nah, why don't I publish six at a time? And then what I do this year, I'm a bit bored. Why don't I do four children's book? Why not? Oh, I should write a series, shouldn't I? So I am in awe of this woman's productivity. And I can't wait to learn more about Kirsten Hunter. What drives this woman to new levels of achievements constantly? Who is the, the woman that has that who is she now and where did that come from? But more importantly, where is it going? My goodness. So, Kirsten <laughs> Hunter, welcome to my show. Oh, lovely to see you, Nev. How are you? Very, very well. Thank you very <laughs> much for asking. Um, you are an amazing woman when one looks at your achievements because you have been a psychologist for many, many years now. Mm. And you have thrived and you have got a private practice uh, in, in which, you, which you blossomed and you described yourself in the preamble to this interview as, as a woman who loves psychology, who loves her job. And that is Absolutely. so beautiful to hear after 20 years for crying mm. out loud. I mean, that, is, that is an achievement. Um, so well done for that. But what really intrigues me is why did you become a psychologist? Was that yeah. one day, one day when you were six years old, you said, mommy, I'm going to become a psychologist, you know? <laughs> Do you know what? Can I just say, it is true. I've been a psychologist for 21 years, private practice for 18 years, and I love my job more and more. So I'm 45 now. I'm going to be a bit, you know, a bit too ex excessively excited in the future. And I, I already am. I really, really love it. And <laughs> when people come here, they say, you love your job, don't you? I hear it all the time. And I do. I do. I've honestly got the best job in the world. If you Google me, that is what comes up. Best Excellent. job in the world. Yeah. Oh, how cool is that? <laughs> what, what makes it the best job? Because, well, I love people. I love people. I have a very analytical brain. I'm very methodical. Um, I'm a bit of a beagle. I have to, if I don't understand something, I'll keep going. Um, I am a very optimistic person. So it's, it's a little bit like if a builder was to go into a reno house and they can see what can be done uh, and, and they don't just see the, the work, they, they get exhilarated by the outcome and mental health equals quality of life. So uh, what's more important? And, and so I get to see people um, go through that journey, come out the other side. Yeah. I also work pretty fast um, and because I, only because I want to fit more people in. <laughs> and, um, so, you know, I'm booked, I'm literally booked out all year. Like it, it's, it's a problem. Yeah. So I love my job. I love my job. I cannot convey that enough. But, um, <laughs> but so yeah. how did you get to, how did you end there? Why, well, why, how, why did you choose a psychology? So it's not, I'm not just, I'm interested in how humans think and behave and feel, but also yeah. I make a living out of that. Yeah. So how did that come about? Well, very interesting story. My beautiful, I have a beautiful mum. I'm incredibly blessed. I mean, you know, what an amazing start to life. And um, she fostered children through my childhood. And the first one she fostered 
one week before I was born. So I grew up into a household of foster children and over my life we had 17. So most of them came for about six months, four of them came for their whole childhood. So my mum was their mum and I have one biological sister as well. So I grew up with a very interesting um, situation, I guess, and it was normal to me to be exposed to people of all walks of life and it was very normal to me to understand how the human condition can be smashed around mm. by trauma. Mm. And um, I, I was kind of, um, I, I think I was, I was the kid, right? So the, the kids would arrive and the parents would be quite scary. And then I was the kid. I was quite mm. safe for them. So I would see this child who would, who would be approaching, who would be just barbed wire, a real asshole of a kid because that was their survival mechanism, keep you away. And I could always see who they really were and then I got to see the beautiful person come through when they felt safe. And that transformation is psychology. Psychology is a study of emotions, behaviour, thoughts, trauma, meaning, attachment, safety. And um, so, yeah, I think I grew up a psychologist if that makes sense. And I, I just, um, but I didn't know what it was. And then when I was in grade 10, yeah. I, I literally heard of the profession for the first time huh. and went, oh, is that what it's called? Uh, <laughs> and so I, I just always knew I'd be a psychologist. And I Natural born psychologist, yeah, literally. Literally. <laughs> literally. Wow. wow. Yeah. Okay. That makes a lot of sense. That mm. makes a lot of sense because for many others, uh, psychologists or people who are who become counselors or mentors or whatever uh, shape or color of helping they decide to go into, often it comes from a background of their own trauma mm. and then working through it and then becoming coming out the other end stronger and wanting to make a sense of their 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 darkness that they have gone through but in Mm. your case literally it was not a story of darkness it was a story Mm. of of actually naturally Mm. becoming more gifted and skilled in a in a non oh shall I say subconscious level Mm. um you actually you literally lived and breathed psychology before you Mm. ever ever knew what psychology was Absolutely. Can I give you a, a, an example? Yeah. I, I was, um, oh, gee, I think I was nine years old, maybe eight, definitely not older. And there was a girl, her name was Sam, and she was with us for six months. She was a year older. And, um, and she, uh, her mother had schizophrenia. And so in the middle of the night one night, her mother arrives at the door and her mother says, comes in and says, I've got to talk to Sam. And Sam says to me, Kirsty, whatever you do, don't leave, don't leave. Because you know that's reasonable to ask of a nine-year-old, and um, <laughs> and I'm yep, we're in bunk beds, no worries. So the mother comes in, and the mother says, "Oh, you know, could you please leave?" And I said, "No." I, I grew up quite ballsy because you know that was the world, and um, yeah, and uh, anyway, so there I am, and, and the mother crawls into bed and and says, "Sam, I've burnt down the house, <sighs> but don't worry, I did it for God, Gordon O. Denver." John Denver's brother. Her schizophrenia, she was obsessed with John Denver. And in her delusion, God, John Denver's brother, apparently called Gordon, don't even know, could Google it, um, told her to burn down the house. So then the mother went, good job done, off she went. 
no comforting the daughter. And, um, and Samantha went to sleep crying in my arms and she wasn't crying for her mother's mental health or for the house. She was crying because her collection of rubbers was burnt. It was gone. Oh. And I went, oh, that's schizophrenia. Okay, moving on. <laughs> See what I mean? It, it was, yeah. And, and I love my mum very much. I personally wouldn't expose my child to what I was exposed to. <laughs> <laughs> to be honest, but you know, <laughs> I, I wasn't traumatized by it. I genuinely wasn't. My, I, I would say that I became streetwise yeah. very quickly. Yeah. And I think that is that is so beautiful what you say there. Um, we are living in a society where we go to the supermarket to get our meat, and mm. so therefore people do no longer kill. Yet, if you're living on a farm, you get you grow up. Yes, okay, that's my sheep, and then okay, yeah. now it's lamb chops. Yeah, and <laughs> that is normal. That is absolutely normal. So we have moved as a society towards a state where certain things that were part and parcel of mankind are no longer there. Grief. People do no longer die at home. They yeah. die somewhere in an in in somewhere else. Therefore, children do do no longer get exposed to the cycle of birth and death. No, it's all sort of very mm. strange. Here yeah. you were, however, there was not this protective artificial kind of thing, but you saw mm. it from an early stage, and you saw it as normal. You saw the, this part of our yeah. life. I lived in the village. Yes. Yeah, exactly. And that yeah. is beautiful. There is mm. a strength in that. Mm. And that's that's a beautiful. If you see typically what happens, take take the children. I mean, here we know already you're writing your children's book. So you might as well take a, an example there. Um, we if a child falls down mm. and ouches himself, the very first thing mum comes, oh, come in, here have a sweet, have a lolly, mm. here's a sugar fix. Instead of just sitting there with the child and taking it in his arm said, yeah, it does hurt, doesn't it? Yeah. Let's wait yeah. a bit. Let's wait a bit. And it's normal to feel that pain. It's mm. normal to cry. You're absolutely fine. Mm. Love you to bits. And it will mm. pass. That emotion will pass. That would be a beautiful lesson to teach. That's But a great no, example. Yeah. Isn't it? Exactly. Yeah. Instead, we are from the word go, no, no, no. Quick fix, quick resolution, mm. quick mm. whatever it is. Mm. So therefore you... For you, it was normalized to see the various degrees of pathology, but also mm. of normality, because nothing is black and white. Nothing is, mm. is there's always yin and yang. But yeah. so even in darkness, there is light and, mm. and in sickness, there are, there can be a beauty there mm. um, and so on. So, wow. Wow. Yeah. Did you, was your mum a psychologist or was she, how did she deal with that? My mother is a, is a, um, a mother hen. She's a lover. She's a nurturer and she's just, everything's natural to her. Wow. Yeah, she's beautiful. She's just gorgeous. Yeah. Oh, beautiful. Yeah. Okay. So that's cool. That, what a beautiful story. What a beautiful story. Yeah. Can I tell you another funny story? My mum, yeah. she doesn't even know that she, she does things. She um, was in, involved in Queensland, Australia, um, the foster center, foster system. She was the advocate for foster systems, whatever. And so she took me along um, to one of the meetings. And during the meeting, she just started breastfeeding. And 
just because I was hungry. And um, it didn't occur to her that that was an issue. She caused an enormous storm. Excellent. Enormous. There was all of this like hoo-ha, that was groundbreaking, what a statement, that was extraordinary. And mum was like, what are you talking about? My my baby was hungry. Why would I not feed it? <laughs> so she, you know, mum doesn't really pay attention to a lot of the noise. She oh. just she just goes with her heart, you know. She's I want to meet this woman, honestly. I know. <laughs> I know. She's all, she's awesome. I love her. I'm so lucky. Oh. And mm. that is, but again, that is a role model. You probably didn't realize it then, but you mm. took you watched your mum taking things in her stride and thought, oh, okay, that's mm. how she copes. I'll do yep. the same. Yeah. How beautiful. Whilst yep. I, my role models were rather uptight, um, broken people. Um, yeah. And it is, it was what it was. Not that my mum did, did anything on purpose to stuff me up or, or mess me around. No, I'm sure she did in her own belief system, the best she could do for mm-hmm. me thinking that always look out for your children however that pay, played out um and i think i got nicely royally stuffed up mm-hmm. just just because it was yeah. it was what it was yeah um uh, so h- how interesting to compare my childhood yeah. your childhood yeah. you had far more pathology there but it was not not hidden and not not pushed under the carpet it was actually yeah that that's schizophrenia um yeah blows me away yeah (laughs) and and you know like my life hasn't been rosy by any stretch and I've had other issues um with other relationships and um but they haven't been um traumatic for me um they've been very challenging but I've been able to manage them through because of that background Mm. and um so it hasn't been rosy by any stretch but um I haven't been I haven't been under the wagon I nice. really haven't. I've nice. I've ridden the wagon. I've directed the wagon, and I'm really good at get at getting out of a bad situation. I'm, it's my superpower. Um, so I navigate well, and I feel so blessed. My background gave me those skills and the psychology. My 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 training. Um, I live it. I breathe mm. it. Um, it's not something theoretical to 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 put on to other. You know, there's people who you hear that they're um, financial advisors and they're broke. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Too many of them. Yes. Too many Not of the them. occasion here. <laughs> yeah. I like it. I like it a lot. Okay. Mm. Um my goodness. It is uh, it's amazing. And because so many people cannot say that. So many people are victims to their own emotions. Um mm. so the, the the principles of core beliefs, etc. So you went straight when you were 18, you went into into the study of psychology, is that correct? Yes, and I yeah. I purposely took the long path because I wanted to come out older yeah. and um so I did a, a clinical PhD. Wow. Um so what's that? That's like, well, I was basically in and out. I studied for 11 years. And so, you know, I came out as a young adult, um, not as a, as a teenager, Oh, beautiful. (laughs) Um, you know, so I really, uh, I'm a doctor of psychology as much from strategy. I knew that I wanted to get a lot of, a lot of life experience before. I mean, psychology, you're, you're the kind of, you know, traditionally the elder of the tribe. How the hell can you do that if you're in your twenties? 
No, that's rubbish. So, oh, true, 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 true. Having yeah. said that, I, I recently had a guest. She became a minister in her church at the age of 18. She actually founded a church uh, at, at a very early stage. And I've asked her exactly that question. I mean, yeah. are you, is there not imposter syndrome? Or how were your elders actually responding to you giving advice as, a, as an 18-year-old? And she said, look, you know, God spoke for me. Jesus spoke for me. He gave me the enthusiasm. And I was able to help, especially the youth. I was able to, to liaise with them. I used mm. my strengths, etc. So I went along with that. And I made a lot of sense there in this setting. But for a psychologist, you know, if someone like, like me came to you and, and you were there, you know, 21. Uh, mm. And uh, yeah, that's right. I'm 50. I'm, I'm a high-functioning alcoholic. Uh, I would not even look at you. Uh, and, that, and that's valid. That's valid. And you know. completely rightly or wrongly so. This, these are mm. my prejudices. Uh, there are so, so many young people who can do amazing things. And mm. like you, you don't have 11 years of training. You had, I don't know, when do you gain consciousness as a five-year-old, eight-year-old, yeah. something like that. You were trained from the age of, of let's call it eight, from the age yeah. of eight till mm. you actually went into private practice. You know? And and it's not that it's not that they don't have the skills and and a lot of capacity. It's just that they as as an individual are going to continue to improve in their life skill, True. and their development. And so you know, I just wanted to come to the table when I was in a in a very strong space. <laughs> and you know, I experienced age prejudice until I was thirty three, really? which I think is valid as well. And then when yeah. I was thirty three, suddenly I was not experiencing age prejudice as as being too young. Yeah. yeah, I'm 45 now, and I love being 45. It's Absolutely. a good age. Oh, very, very happy. I yep. think your lifestyle, however, is very conducive to you looking younger. Do you still yeah. get to ask to for for a proof of identification for alcohol? <laughs> not quite. <laughs> not quite. Not quite. I did see somebody actually. I had a, a pretty. Um, I've had different chapters in my life that have not been yeah. okay, and um, I saw someone during one of the not good chapters, which was um, nine years ago. And um, and then I saw him just two years ago, and I'm in a very good chapter of life now, thank goodness. And um, he just was like, "Fuck, you look younger. Like, <laughs> you look Excellent. drastically younger than when I last saw you because you're just so damn happy." And oh, like, beautiful! Yes, and it was How true. Beautiful is true. that, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Oh, yeah. so did did was there any rebellion? coming out i mean every teenager in every generation going back three thousand years to to the greek <laughs> big ones um there's a beautiful description this young generation nowadays they eat with their mouth open they're disrespectful to their elders look how they're what they are wearing and you read it and you think yeah sure when was that written last year or or in the, in the 80s no it was written three thousand years ago uh okay so it's the curse of every generation that comes we want to rebel against our elders what was your rebellion like can i give you a really um peculiar answer um okay in the world of psychology right pop, uh, personality breaks in from children um breaks into two groups so people are either negatively orientated or positively orientated three quarters are negatively orientated so they're motivated to avoid the negative so they're the ones that don't want to be step out of the side of the mold they don't want to get in trouble if the parent growls at them they'll be oh no mm -hmm. one quarter are positively orientated and they're the ones they don't like getting in trouble either but they think what do i want what do i subscribe to i'll do maths if i like maths and if i like that teacher and if i decide that i'm studious if not why would i do that 
Um, so I was positively orientated from the beginning. So it's not that I became rebellious. It's just that I never conformed and, but I was not naughty. Uh-huh. So I always, I never went with what you do or how to be. I just, it's, it's not my framework. And I dare say you're positively orientated as well from my read of you, uh-huh. which is great. Yeah. And um, as you, as you get older in personality, it gets far more complex as, as of course, but. So did so you never had a joint, you never had a drink of alcohol when maybe you were not allowed to or you shouldn't have. Is oh, that what you're telling me? Oh no, what I'm telling you is that um, you know, when you think what what should I do, I never actually thought that way. I just always I did what I wanted. I yeah. See. So I, there I are lots, yeah. So lots of did whatever I wanted, whenever I wanted. Thank you very much. But <laughs> <laughs> but I also just didn't really want to do a lot. So, yeah, so of course, you know, yeah, I, I remember walking around um, the Van Gogh Museum in Amsterdam stoned off my nut. <laughs> and I'm really, pr- I almost fell over one of the paintings. Um, yeah, so I did all that, of course, but yeah. wasn't that exciting? Yeah. Didn't really do it for me. Um, alcohol played with that here and there, but didn't mm. really do it for me. Clubbing, I walked around and went, you're all idiots, really. I'm not impressed. So, I, <laughs> I, but if I felt like dancing, yeah. I'd go out. Do you know what I mean? Like my, yeah. my friends would go out every time, go, oh, am I in the mood? Um, but then if I wasn't, yeah. So I don't know. Uh, like, let, let me give you an example of this, what I'm trying to explain. And this is a very in-depth answer. I hope you don't mind. But um, uh, when I went through school, right, uh, I remember the beginning of school, grade seven here in Queensland. And, um, I, and I remember saying, what's the system? Okay. The system is that when you're in grade 12, those grades go to uni. I knew I'd go to uni. I knew I was a bright academic kid. Um, so I thought, well, all the grades from grade seven to 11 are not going to help me. So why would I do them? <laughs> right? Uh, okay. <laughs> so why, what, what practical use does that make? Um, so what I'm going to do is I'm going to have fun. I'm going to be social. I'm going to be sporty. I'm going to learn stuff. So by the time I get to year 12, I've got the goods. But I don't care to pass or not pass I don't care if the teachers know if I'm intelligent I don't care that my mother is going to be just having heart attacks um I didn't do it to distress her but I also didn't care it wasn't adequate so I I failed grade seven eight nine ten eleven and then when I got to grade 12 um I said to my friends I'll see you in June and um absolutely blitzed it and then what went into psychology and in psychology, you've got to be in the very, 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 very top cream to get into honours. So of 400 undergrad, only 13 got into honours and I was one of them. So a straight high distinction student and I'm a statistician and I failed maths at school. So that's what I mean. You got it? Yeah. Okay, I'll talk about rebellion. I, that goes for me under rebellion. Come on. <laughs> yeah. You might not but use that word, a, but yeah. you're... you're but, you, but Straight. I wasn't proving anything to any authority figures. It had nothing to do with them. Oh, um, cool I, I had I had no attitude with them. I just it just didn't make sense to me. Why would I do something that I don't prescribe to? So, yeah. But were you true? That makes sense in one mm. in one way. But tell me or show me one youngster who has got it all sorted. Often enough, we have got beliefs that we absolutely swear upon as young people. Now, when you look back, you think, actually, you were an idiot. 
Um, so, so therefore, whilst you were strongly believed in your gut, your gut was still developing. So Mm. therefore there's a bit of a, Ooh, Mm. a dangerous scenario building there. Obviously it suited you well, but I think many other youngsters will have very similar convictions and might go drive the car straight over the cliff, um, in the process. Would you not agree? Yeah. Well, you know, obviously you've got to have the, you've got to have a framework that's going to come around for you and the, and the conviction and the, and the um, capacity to come through. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I mean, it worked for you for crying out loud. Look, who you yeah. are. But yeah. I think there's something to be said about uh, such a self-motivation, such a self-trust. Mm. Um, it is, did you get a kick out of learning? How did it feel for you when oh, you learned? Yeah, I remember very clearly when I would turn my brain on and say, I'm really interested in this. I loved it. Uh-huh. So I loved biology. I loved economics. Uh-huh. Um, I loved English. I loved, uh-huh. um, you know, analyzing literature. Yeah. Um, I, uh, you know, I remember when they had um, um, work experience and I knew I'd be a psychologist at that point. It was grade 10. That's when I figured it out. And um, they said, okay, we'll put down psychology. And I said, no. <laughs> why and I said well why would I do that um that means that I go and I make coffee um I'm not going to be allowed in the room why would they talk to a student you're joking no I'm going to go to a theater I'm going to have fun and so I went to a theater and I worked backstage in a theater for a week and that was fantastic and again when I did that I did it really well so I jumped in and learned all about how the theater works the language the props you know and yeah so I don't know Amazing. there's no there's no straight line for me if if I don't subscribe to it um wow. I, I don't comply but fortunately my value system is very very good and indeed, indeed. my my core belief system is do not do harm that oh, is beautiful. my core belief core okay. belief and I live by that. Very strong conscience. Very wow. strong. Yeah. Wow. Wow. And I must now fast forward because the logical next question comes to my mind. What are your kids thinking about it? You have got a little collection of your own little uh, munchkins. Um, they are what, between nine and 17? Do I uh, remember that right? Yeah, I've got five boys uh-huh. and they're age seven, nine, oh, seven. six. Yeah, 16, 18, and 21. Oh, goodness, a bit more spread out. Well, so how did that work out? Um, You would think they should be absolutely grounded, baked, all sorted, or are they? It would would disturb you how psychologically aware they are. The the language around the dining table is very, um, very astute, very reflective. They they support each other. They talk about what's happening with with each other. They check in. They check in with each other. They're um, in each other's corners with regard to like they'll they'll say, "Look, I'm a bit worried about this with this this one and this one." And yeah, no, it's 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 almost like if if someone grew up with a, a parent who was an artist, um, they're going to know about the paints. They're going to know. They're going to grow up with a hand in that mm. craft. Well, my boys have grown up with the hand in the craft of psychology. There's no question. Their mm. their verbal and their emotional IQ. Is, is great. Don't get me wrong, they're kids and they've got their learning and that's wonderful and, you know, they've got a long way to go in all different directions and they're five completely different individuals. Um, uh-huh. But 
But I would say compared to their peers yeah. and, and definitely their capacity to stop, reflect, verbalise, check yeah. in, yeah. feel comfortable communicating miles ahead. And um, we see that all the time. Yeah, so they can't, you could do a little case study on my five boys, my poor darlings. Mm. I think it's a good thing. I think so too because ultimately if we ever come back to the field of addiction, um, we as alcoholic dads or mums, we will forever think that we are shit parents. We will forever think that there we we must be guilty. We must be ashamed. And and certainly, I, there is a strong component there. Um, sort of making amends and actually shutting up and listening to your children's stories about you when you were not at your best. They mm. are brutal. They are absolutely brutal. So that is certainly there. But at the same token, as a man who is now in recovery, my behavior is million miles apart from, from the way I behaved in the past. Mm. So they have seen that. So mm. whilst they actually do have the genes of an alcoholic, of an mm. addict in them, mm. Mm. They also have seen the growth, the transformation, the value of speaking out by of seeking help when you are not right. And mm. that is amazing. So therefore, for all the guys out there, if you are if you are like me in this boat of, oh, my God, I'm now finally getting sober, but I stuffed up my children. Mm. The gift of sobriety and your transformation will undo any damage that you have done. Mm. you will be able to model behavior that they will see, wow, we've seen him as an asshole, and now mm. we see him doing X, Y, and Z. Now that's that's beautiful. That's strong. Absolutely. And human beings are so capable of, of change. They're so malleable. Do you know what I mean? Mm. And so... For them to say, okay, um, yes, we have those memories, but we see dad's skill set now, mm. his availability to us, his, the role model mm. that he is now, mm. that is what they, their focus is going to be mm. on, given that you also are acknowledging the past. And so, you know, it's, it, it, they're malleable. They don't stick with mm. history. Yeah. They update, they yeah. update, they update. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> but they do. They need, when they say update, yes, it is, it is an emotional bank account. You need mm. to pay in there. And mm. unfortunately, from now on, then you also have to face the music and, and face your actions from the past. Mm. And that's where in the 12-step system, really making amends um, mm. is such a powerful step yeah. and such a uh, such a painful step at times. I was yep. certainly, oh, my God, my youngest especially, he ripped into me. When he found his voice, oh, he tore the shreds of me. And it was was hard. Was but hard. you know what? He felt safe to do that. True. Right? True. So that says everything. He felt safe. Mm. He didn't think that that was a dangerous situation. He thought mm. you would care. He realised mm. you would mm. care. Mm. And that facilitates that healing. So, you know, that's, that's a two-way exchange, which is great. Can I say that as a parent, my anxiety, I think parent guilt is one of our strongest emotions, is because I am such an energetic, crazy, energetic person, go, 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 with, with passion, with absolute passion for things. Um, finding time for the kids, you know, and, <laughs> and, and, and trying to balance that and trying to kind of like pull back the reins and go, whoa, slow down, stop doing, just be, 
just be with your seven-year-old and your 10-year-old and, and um, you know, go and do stuff with your kids and, and be present. Mm-hmm. And um, I'm not bad at it, mm-hmm. but I'm a work in progress and I'm always reflecting on it and I'm not usually happy because there's more I want to, you know, so that's my struggle. That's I feel like as a parent, I think I would be, I love my kids. They're 100% my world. There's no mm-hmm. question. Um, I'm a mother duck like my mum. But um, but I'm also someone who would probably have a good lifestyle as a single person because I'm just so into projects and mm. doing and um, but yet I can't do that because I I prioritize my kids. So anyway, mm. we're talking about parent guilt. Um, that's the one that I find is constantly tapping on my, me on the shoulder. Interesting. Yeah. Very I think interesting. A lot, of, a lot of working parents feel that way. Mm. I mean, mm. right now, the moment I said it, I thought, hmm. I'm sitting here on a Saturday afternoon interviewing, having a ball of a time. I have no idea what my, my, my sons are doing. Well, they're 19 and 21, so they're grown up. They, they you know, please. Mm. Uh, but at the same token, there is still this guilt there. I should spend time with them. Um, and I think every parent will yeah. inevitably have that, regardless yep. how much time they actually have spent. Yep. It will never be good enough. Mm. And... Mm. This is one of those things where where very few people will go away and will say, actually, I'm happy with with the amount of of input I've given into my children. And if you were to say, okay, well, let's be a full-time stay-at-home parent, um, which is absolutely lovely in people's choice, there's Mm -hmm. negatives there as well because we know mental health-wise that's not optimal for the parent. You know, parents are much more inclined toward anxiety, depression, OCD, all sorts of things if they're a full-time parent. Are they? So, I wasn't yes. aware of those statistics. Okay. Yes, yes. So, so you know, we have a big stress response to people who are overworked. Yeah. And then when people don't have enough time away, they can actually become quite um, weighed down, bogged down, lose perspective uh, and not be fresh for the for the kids because they're not having the adult. Oh, of course not. They're not having their own identity. So, you know. Absolutely. Yeah, so part-time study uh, is actually best for mental health with kids. Uh, so, you know, it's just really interesting. You can't win, right? <laughs> uh, no, no, yeah. that makes perfect sense. That it's, yeah. it's basically burnout uh, that that you're that you're heading towards as a as a parent. You don't have any respite. You That's don't right. have any any. Ah, uh, that makes a lot of sense, mm, of course. Mm. And with kids, it's about quality, not quantity. Oh, no question. So touché. yeah, I've worked out my way to manage this is to have systems. So um, I have a system where um, when I come home from work, I do not pick up anything to do with my writing, which is my passion um, until the kids are in bed. So I, I literally put my hands behind my back and I stop myself um, <laughs> so in the morning. Hang on, hang on. You've got a 21-year-old. He goes oh, to yeah. bed at 3 o'clock. So <laughs> you're doomed, girl. Well, you know I'm talking about the 7 and 10-year-old. Yeah, okay, okay. But um, I also make sure that I go out and have one-on-one dinners with the boys um, because that level of nice. bonding and connecting is really beautiful. Isn't it? Um, yeah. And we don't always have family dinners because often people are off at doing this, 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 but you know, on the weekends we well and truly do. And, nice. um, yeah. And in the mornings I put down what I'm reading and have the big cuddles with the seven-year-old and the 10-year-old doesn't come in anymore. He, he likes to go off and do his thing, but, um, yeah. So I, I create structures to kind mm. of make myself stop because I am really passionately enjoying reading, writing, whatever I'm mm. doing. 
Mm. And you need that passion. You, it is. I mean, I saw you earlier, uh, guys. In the preamble, we had a bit of a of a thing. I sort of asked uh, Kirsten, you know, tell me a bit about your writing. You should have seen her eyes. <laughs> ring and there was this glow emanating from her and yeah i'm writing this and i do that and that and it's just and it's just i had to love to myself so but I, to share a bit with the with the audience what are you writing on tell uh, us what you what you what you have done okay okay so approximately 13 and a half years ago I started to be in session and be really frustrated that so much information could be shared with clients, but um, we didn't have enough time to cover it all. Mm. And so then my brain, because I have a methodical brain, my brain started thinking, well, I, I could write this and they could read it. Um, and I could write this and they could read it. I could write this and they could read it. So then I started to kind of do a brainstorm. So that's been, that went for about 10 years of me brainstorming what I could write about. And it wasn't that I wanted to write books. It's that I wanted to get the information to people because mm. the thing about psychology is you can go pick up one book on say attachment and you have to read a big thick book to read on one topic and and psychology is like you know easily I could say 400 straight away that mm. affect us within a week yeah. so how do you cover the expense so anyway that was in my head for 10 10 years and then I got I started writing so it took me three and a half years to write um, basically it's kind of like a Bible of psychology uh -huh. that covers the expanse of clinical areas. And I narrowed it down to 205 areas, um, that, that we, we, we swim around in day in, day out. So if you want to be an expert on your own psychology, this is what you want to know. Then I spent a year and a half, um, publishing it and here they are. I've got them all here. Woo! Yes. And yes. I love and, it. Yeah, Nicely bestseller, done. and they're doing really well. So anyway, while I was writing, these are called signposts for living. While I was writing these, I got bored because I don't do one thing at a time. I have to do two or three. And I started to think about fiction. And um, so I started writing um, uh, psychological puzzle mysteries. So psychological fiction, really looking at the psychology of it. So you could call it a cosy mystery. That's really quite, um, you know, figure it out. And uh, so I started to write them at the same time as signposts. And then I constructed six books, another six, what's with six, hey? Oh. And um, so in the process of writing these, I wrote two, two fiction books at the same time. And the fiction books were kind of a release from this because this is kind of heavy, although this is light and conversational, but I had to do a lot of things. And, um, yeah, so when I finished the signposts for a living, I had these two other books ready to go as well. And I've also, so the first one's called Murder at the Narcissist Gardening Club. Do you like that? <laughs> Mystery of Placid House. And then the third one I've written and the other three I've also drafted. So that was happening. And those two fiction are with the publisher um, as we speak. And they're coming out in the next, I don't know, four months or something. And then oh. I ax, yeah. And then I accidentally wrote four children's books. Uh. I didn't mean to. And they're psychological as well. And so basically they're really deep topics yeah. um, like you are gold about self-worth. Mm -hmm. um, I'm an outsider. Um, my thoughts are trash and treasure. And there's another one, oh, grit superhero. And I've, I'm collaborating with an exquisite illustrator who's kind of a bit manga. Um, All right. Okay. So, yeah. And um, so they're literally with the publisher right now too. So Excellent. I'm publishing 12 books in 12 months. <laughs> yeah. I love it. And that is again, that is that kind of focus. But what are you doing? You're essentially what you have had, you had a dream. 
and you thought that dream is nice and then you you actually visualized it you actually made a division by being actually crystal clear in what you want to achieve and and mm. actually putting the puzzle pieces together in your in your thoughts and then you forget out okay i really want to do that so your dream became this vision and then you made it a mission and you mm. took actually steps to achieve that. So the mission had now action attached okay. to it. And before you blinked, three years were finished and you had this beautiful set of books that you could be proud of. And it was the sense of achievement. And you're getting a bit addicted to that. And it's like, yeah. oh, that was a cool ride. So, and that's exactly what is happening here. Look at her. Yeah, the addiction. Yeah. Finally, yeah. finally, yeah. she's caught. She's not just addicted to psychology, but also to writing now because it's wow. so beautiful. It's true. It's true. And I've actually heard other writers say this themselves, yeah. that it, people say, how do you find time to write? And it's yeah. a case of, um, that's like saying, how do you find time to watch TV? Oh, you exactly. Know, it's it's the thing you reach for. And if I don't write, I get grumpy. I get cranky. <laughs> so at the moment, I'm taking some time out to do lots of marketing because I've got yeah. a lot of jobs to do. Yeah. Um, so I'm not writing at the moment and I'm getting cranky. I'm getting irritated. Whereas yeah, when I write, yeah, I wake up at 5 a.m. I write uh, till 6.30 every morning. Um, at the moment, I'm doing marketing. but um, And I get my boost. I, I, I get my mojo. Yeah. I fuel up. And I'm I'm bubbly for the day, and then at night time after the kids in bed, yeah. if I have if I if I'm in the mood, I'll do some more writing. Uh -huh. And so it's like it is like a drug. It is like uh -huh. a drug because when I do that, I go into you've heard of state of flow. Yeah. So I go into a state of flow. Time disappears. I'm my imagination <laughs> is just and I'm just I'm lost and I'm yeah. so joyful, joyful. And on top of this, with what we've talked about, I've also got two more non-fictions that are already written. Mm. that I just need to polish and that'll be next year. And then I've mm. got two more fictions that are completely different and I didn't choose to formulate them. Mm. My brain just does. My brain's, uh. I, I, I feel like I can't take credit for anything because everything's subconscious. Yeah. My brain creatively and also with my skill set uh. says, hey, this is a really cool idea. <laughs> and I'm, I'm the scribe. I scribe. So, yeah, and, and I feel incredibly blessed because I've found something I just love doing. Yeah, and as well it, as psychology. Oh, exactly. Oh, beautiful, beautiful. To hear your joy of life uh, coming out, that is beautiful. That mm -hmm. is, and that is a, a joy of life that is true. That is, uh, and that's not running away from something. That is not hiding something. This is actually literally creating and letting the creative juices fly out of your, out of your fingers. And that's the cool thing. And for you guys out there, you might be amazed about the power of writing. Um, if you really actually start writing things down, start to mm. journal, start to actually talk about your emotions, uh, you might be amazed what comes out. Mm. Mm. I had... When I wrote uh, my steps to sobriety uh, here, when I wrote this one, the first edition, um, I hit a bit of a writer's block one day and I didn't actually know what to should write about that day. And I forced myself to write. It's, it's a technique where you just say, you will write now. And doesn't matter, you write. You just literally, whatever comes out, comes out. If it is heap of shit coming out, it comes out. And suddenly... I had this kind of out-of-body experience where I saw my fingers typing and I, I, I read, I sort of looked at my fingers and thought, 
what the hell am I writing there? And things came out, mm, goosebumps. <laughs> so <laughs> as if a, a foreign power is, 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 is controlling my hands. So my subconscious mm. wanted to tell that part of the story. And it was one of the better chapters that I'd written. And I thought, where the hell is that coming from? Yeah. And yep. that was amazing. And mm-hmm. as you say, you blink and an hour is gone Absolutely. and you've written, I don't know. I mean, yeah. as I was asked, uh, would I like to be part of a multi-author project? And I thought, okay, why not? And they gave me the remits of it. And I thought, okay, I'm going to write that. Well, I started writing and the weekend was gone and I had done 5,000 words and it was done done and dusted, handed it in. Um, but it was amazing. This yeah. kind of really, mm-hmm. whoa. And, and of course, you know, for people, it doesn't need to be writing, does it? I mean, I know so many people, you know, someone who's gone and discovered the study of gems, somebody else who loves painting, somebody yeah. else who loves leather work, um, somebody else who loves um, pressed flowers, yeah. or they love reading about philosophers or, yeah. um, you know, like whatever, whatever floats your boat. Um, obviously, my, my beautiful, beautiful husband is a professional freediver. And um, that's his passion and his, his 16 years, his career. Um, we live on a mountain in Toowoomba, not by the ocean. So <laughs> problem, problem. Yeah, um, I see something happening there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's easy for him to go to Bali and, and uh, um, die for a period of time than to access it from where we live. So, you know, there are limitations, of course, to hobbies. But, you know, he's creative. He goes and spends his time skilling up in the pool and studying and getting his body into that refined mm. form that it needs, like lots of preparation. So, you know, it's it's really finding your passion. And some people mm. don't find their passion till later in life, hey. Mm. But I think it's just keep looking. Well, exactly. It be open, be curious, be mm. be ready to to take anything on. I, I had a beautiful guest on uh Michael Carl's Keo. Um he was uh he was a uh, military man on the spearhead of of the American military, really hard ass guy. Until a machine gun had different thoughts about his future, and he basically, well, picked himself. Well, yes, he got picked up on the battlefield. He ended up being physically okay, but mentally he was a mess with PTSD and and a complete loss of identity, um, being suddenly no longer able to actually be the soldier that he was so proud to be. Mm -hmm. And he basically lost himself in the wilderness, literally lived in a cave. And then one day, finally, he listened to some of the vets who were sort of trying to get him in. They said, hey, you know what? we are, we are trying to learn golf. Do you want to come along? And he finally said, okay, why not? I learn how to golf. And then another guy came and said, hey, look, you know, I, we are going to the stand-up comedy. Um, do you want to learn how to be a comedian? Do you, want to, do you want to do some stand-up? And he's like, fuck it, okay, yeah, I go. Nowadays, he's a comedian. He would have yeah. never known in a million years that he would be standing on stage as a comedian, but here he is because he was willing he he finally had enough in, in a pity tent mm. over there and allowed himself to come out and experience life. And he, he was he completely had no more inhibition and said, okay, yep, what do we do today? Today we do that? Cool, let's do it. And suddenly there was something that caught him. And in mm. this case, it was comedy. Mm. And he loves it. And that is that freedom that we all have. 
Mm. We all have at any one moment in time, we can make choices. Sometimes our circumstances are a bit harsh and not so many choices, but still you have, mm. you can't control what happens to you, but you can control how you respond to it. Mm. And that is beautiful. Mm. And that once you taste that freedom is beautiful and now that you give yourself that freedom of choosing how to respond you could also say well okay I, if i can choose that then maybe i can choose also to find joy maybe in something that i never thought i even considered and mm. you know what a beautiful thing that is mm, so I here see. you are reinventing yourself as a writer and obviously throwing yourself in there um yeah. and and good on you that's all i can say well done for for doing that um where will you go i mean at the moment you've got your plan and you seem to be pretty pretty sort of planned out in your life um mm. first of all where do you get the energy from that should be the first question where do you do you draw the energy because there's only so many hours in the day and mm. you you give a lot to your patients and you give a lot to your family, then you give a lot to your writing. So hang on, where's the battery? Where's Where, where do you plug in? But that's like saying I drive my car so much. Um, <laughs> this, is the, this is the fuel, right? <laughs> True. Okay, yeah. okay, good point. It's the fuel. I must admit there's, there's the unsexy things you have to do, you mm. know, like no matter what your publishing situation is, you have to do all the marketing. And, mm. um you know, there's a lots to do there and it's not particularly sexy to me. Uh, uh. Um, but I'm also a very self-disciplined person. So yeah. jobs to be done, get in, get them done, and then go and have fun. Um, <laughs> you know, <laughs> but no, I, I, I really, um, I, it's a case of when I can, when I can get to it, I want to get to it. So that's really, really pleasant. And also I have a personal, um, I can't stand it when people say, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. I'm going to do this. Um, I have a pet hate with that, to be honest, um, because, me. well, I just think um, personally I don't tell anyone I'm going to do it until I'm halfway through do it, it being done. I see. Um, I see. Mm -hmm. Because um, as I've said to you before, I'm internally driven. I'm not externally driven. Yeah. So um, it's very private for me what I'm going to be doing and I will get in and get started with that and then uh, I'll let people know as I go. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so... I know that we can all have these aspirations and they won't actually happen unless we become very um, serious with our application. So that's why I'm very serious with creating structure so that I sit my ass down and I write and nice. I give myself dead time, dead deadlines, deadlines, <laughs> deadlines where, you know, I'm going to be doing this. I'm going to be doing that. I love yeah. working with editors and publishers because they're people who are waiting for something. Uh, and so that gets me to kind of push towards that. Um, so I have, a, um, I'm very timeline orientated because there's so much more I want to do in the future. And also mm. I know that if I'm not, I'll just keep being that person who says, I'm going to do this. And why, how's that going to happen if you don't make it happen? So nice. I, I think I've got a lot of strengths that complement. I've got a lot of creativity. I'm a very lateral person, but I'm also a very methodical, mm. um, person who's an, an extreme work ethic. I've got a very strong work mm. ethic. Um, I also have a job that I recharge from, you know, so don't get me wrong. I definitely have some clients that drain me, but majority <laughs> of clients, <laughs> majority yeah. of clients I actually recharge from because I, I love my job. So oh. I, I, I do sometimes come home and I'm very tired, but not usually. Um, and, uh, you know, time with the kids, 
obviously there's exceptions, but I recharge there as well. So I think it's about engineering your life so that you recharge in each of the the roles if you can. Mm. And then it's just this positive momentum that keeps flowing beautifully. Mm. Yeah. And and can I say that um, I think I mentioned in our little chat earlier that um, 10, oh, 13 and a half years ago when I started thinking about signposts for living, I couldn't have written then because I wasn't happy. I wasn't happy in life. Mm. And so I um, I think for me it's a combination between being happy and and then this makes me happier. I think for me, I don't know if I'd be capable of writing if I wasn't in a good headspace to begin because it is such a creative process. So that's a really interesting question as well. When people are wanting to reach for passions, um, are they able to at that point or are there barriers, you know? Interesting. So really, timing, is, timing might be important. Mm. And the whole process of writing is such a beautiful thing. And there will be obstacles there and you will get to know yourself more. Uh, it is it is such a therapeutic thing. I, mm. I need to highlight it again. I mean, I'm working at the moment on, on four multi-author books. Um, on the first two are on depression from a male perspective and from a female perspective. And to actually see people grow often enough authors who have have always thought about it maybe they want to write something and to actually do 5,000 words is actually a really nice lovely start but there is always this 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 actually that that verbalizing and and writing things down and when you talk about your own, own emotions there is you're opening up uh, wounds you might have to do more healing you might have to do a lot of growing there will mm -hmm. be frustration there will be you have written something you're proud about and then your editor comes back and says really um and yeah. you know and and it is it is a growth inevitably mm -hmm. whatever you do and it's it's a very healthy thing but it can be a very interesting journey so can I, meant, yeah can i tell you a funny story um, if, if you said to me, what's one of my highlights from last year, 2021, I would say having a hysterectomy. Weird, right? Yep. It's a rapid yep. weight loss program that normally I would not, <laughs> I would not actually recommend too much, but, um, but, but, but hear me out. The reason is that, um, I was so excited to have, I love my job, right? But I had um, two and a half weeks, because I didn't take the six, right? Two and a half weeks um, where I was alone and had my own space. And so in two and a half weeks, I wrote the third fiction book, The, the, San, <laughs> the San Sebastian Passenger. I wrote the six, 65,000 word book um, in, in two and a half weeks. Um, I'd, already, I'd already, you know, done the scaffolding. I already knew what it was going to be, but I hadn't written it. And um, I just, every day I would wake up and go, yes. And I'd sit there and I would write, 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 write all yeah. the time. I did not watch one single TV show in my nice. healing, none. Nice. And it got so bad that I was getting RSI in my fingers. The, the, <laughs> the, the letters aren't on my keyboard anymore on certain. Excellent. Yeah. And, um, and I didn't need any pain relief at all. And. Ah. Yeah, apparently, you know, because my my brain was in such a happy space. I was just in my in my parasympathetic the whole time. I was just having so much fun. And so it was an absolute highlight. It was fantastic. Beautiful. And um yeah, so there you go. Um 
no, I do, that's please. Enough. And and that's something that that you get into. Um, I've been doing now for for prior to Omicron and and, and COVID. Um, mm. Every year before Christmas, we t- we take time out, and from here to Fiji, it's three hours straight, and there's no time difference. It's just you know, in the morning you're in Auckland, and and in the afternoon your feet are in the sand in Fiji. So mm. love it. So and I would go uh, just before Christmas for a week or ten days to uh, Fiji, and it would be my writing time. So oh, I would nice. write something there. It would be a writing holiday. Because it is that relaxed feeling. When I was mm. a student, I spent a month in Turkey. And there I was, and I remember that feeling. I only had one topic with me, one in a medical topic. And I was sitting there and this beautiful Turkish uh, Turkish um shore there um i was uh, having a beer in front of me i was sitting in a bar basically overlooking this azure blue uh blue mediterranean eating fresh fish that had been caught that morning reading in the most relaxed way and that topic that i studied that month in in turkey it was my best topic it was the, the highest achieving uh in there and it that taught me a lot so yes it was actually um there's so much to be said about creating the circumstances that then Mm. allow you to go nuts to i think i think your circumstances sound better than mine ah (laughs) no no it went true 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 but but no that actually yes and no yes and no yes and Mm. no you can't do anything about the reasons for the hysterectomy there is something there in your body where there's a damn good reason that you had to get your uterus out. So yeah. end of the story. Now yeah. you could either now say as a woman, oh my God, I'm losing my identity or I am some, all these kind of negative emotions. Yeah. Um, or you could say, okay, fair enough. That is something that has to occur. But now what do I make out of it? Because I've been taken out of my hamster wheel I like yeah. it or lump it. So you you can't just keep running, 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 running. So where do I want to go with that? And that's what I often talk to my patients about when they come for surgery. And I tell them, hey, look, with your shoulder surgery, you're going to be six months in a sling. So, you know, how will you celebrate? What yeah. will you do? Yeah. What do you mean? What do you mean? No, yeah. no, it's... Get, it's you've yeah. got to get on board. You've got to get on board. Exactly. So this is your unique opportunity. When was the last time that you had six weeks holiday? Huh. Yeah, huh. Well, actually mm. no i started working when i was 16 yeah exactly and and mm. so therefore that is that is how we the power that we get the privilege yeah. that we get how yeah. we respond to something you it's chose weird. you chose to go very different than probably most other women mm-hmm. is that fair to say mm-hmm. yes and now a whole lot of women have had a hysterectomy because i've inspired them all <laughs> yeah exactly exactly <laughs> They all want to be super women now too. <laughs> no, it is. There's a lot to be said. So you were a woman who is taking life um, and modeling it. I love the way that you say that the human mind is suppliable and that you can mm. do so much with. Mm. Uh, you're doing the same with yourself, and that is actually a damn good skill to have. So Kirsten, you're an amazing woman. I mean, this was an amazing interview. Thank you so much for actually showing me a different side of psychologists that I had not seen. I had not met a psychologist such as you. Um, so thank you very much. There is no worries. I've learned so, fun. <laughs> I've learned so much today. So that is cool. But yeah, there's so many lessons to learn for, for those, those of you out there listening. Um, and to see 
that the power of choice and then the power of taking action, taking, mm -hmm. doing something. Make that is exactly that is where the magic starts. And it's okay from now and then to have a pity party and just roll up in a ball and and and, and feel sorry for yourself. That's all good. Uh, we all become victims at one stage in our life. Things do happen to us. But if we make it a habit of looking after ourselves, of actually training our mind, our body, uh, giving the body the right food, both as real food, but also as the nourishment that we need with regards to the rest, the recreation, mm. joy, laughter, all the positive things that allow you to sharpen the saw. And then you can go back to work and actually go out there. Well, that is beautiful. And most of us, sooner or later, we keep forgetting it. We might do it on the 1st of January, and we might even do it on the 2nd of January. And then most of us are just, yeah, fuck it. Uh, out it goes okay and that's if we can actually make that every day uh make it make time for yourself that is where the magic happens so yeah. guys make right now so after you have looked down there into the description where you can actually find uh kirsten tell us kirsten where can they find you if they want to know more about you well, I have a website, kirstenhunterauthor.com and Instagram as well, kirstenhunterauthor. Uh, what have we got? We've got uh, Twitter, kirstenhunterauthor. You're racking my brain here now. And <laughs> Guys, <laughs> help if, me, help even, me. Even is Kirsten can't remember. So <laughs> the easiest thing is go down there into the description of the oh. YouTube channel and of our podcast because it's all down there. there and go. whilst you're down there, Press the like and press the subscribe button because there's so many gorgeous people who are coming onto my show and who are teaching me so much. And, and they are guys go out there and 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 you get it all for free. You don't have to pay for that. Here you've had 60 minutes with this gorgeous woman who actually opened my eyes in a in a few ways uh, and just shows what is possible. So beautiful. So thank you very much, Kirsten, to you. Absolute and, and pleasure. You're an amazing woman, and uh, I just really wonder who you will be when you grow up. I mean, it's just it's, no, don't it's do that. Don't, don't do that. <laughs> no, true, 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 true. But you're gonna get to reinvent yourself. So right mm -hmm. now we're talking to Kirsten Hunter, who is the the author, who is really getting buzzed about that. Who knows who she is in in five years' time? And mm -hmm. that's the amazing thing. So to you guys out there, who will you be? Who do you want to be? Uh, you get to make that choice. So what will it be? So I believe in you guys out there. Stay strong. Look after yourself. And just live with passion. Because that's what this is all about. Bye, Kirsten. You look after yourself as well. Hey? <laughs> See ya. Bye. Dream on. Dream on. Dream on. Dream on.